You are listening to Trophy Horse with your host, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve, and Sid. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Trophy Yours. This is episode 460. I'm your host, Jake Mick. Alongside with me, the man, the myth, the legend, it's Alex. You know, it may not always snow here in Louisville, Kentucky on Christmas, but the one thing that I can never go without on Christmas is broccoli cheese casserole. I'm sorry, what? Broccoli cheese casserole. There's something seriously wrong with you people in the Midwest. I don't know what you find wrong with broccoli cheese casserole, Tricky, but uh, this is a situation where it's a problem with you. Uh, Broccoli and casserole. Uh, Those are my problems. You don't like casseroles at all? No. You sound like Ashley's youngest. He hears the word casserole. It could be like, we're having brownie snickerdoodle casserole, and he's like, casserole? That's disgusting. It sounds like it. Well, I think we found that whenever you try to challenge our Midwestern sensibilities, and not even just Midwestern, whenever we brought up something on the show and you're like, oh, that's disgusting, like, other people have basically said you're wrong, including, you know, the most recent question you threw at Stephen Fontana, which was the peanut butter and waffles thing. Oh, he's just weird as it is, so. Uh, Your own child eats Nutella, which is a nut butter spread, on, what, pancakes or waffles? No, she's actually never had it. She just likes the idea of it. Okay, well, she's she's at least got the right mindset. She's heading in the right direction. I don't know about that. All right, so there's no yield this week. Uh, he is out celebrating with his family for Christmas. Uh, they do extended, uh, you know, Christmases. So it's just me and Alex today, so we get the real tag team duo, not that puny-ass weak partner that Alex Dombey has. Are you, are you crapping on yield when he's not here? I am. And the best part is... He's out celebrating the holiday with his family. Yeah, it's weak sauce. The best part is he'll never know because he doesn't listen to the show. Well, I'm sure somebody will bring it up in the Facebook group. You know you know, our listeners are not uh, not going to go without calling you out for your bullshit. Uh, yeah, speaking of my bullshit, I got a lot of messages asking uh, why you didn't want to have a 20-minute debate on whether or not Die Hard was a Christmas movie. Because the show had gone an hour and 40 minutes, and I was editing the show during Christmas week, and I didn't want to deal with it. There's too much on my plate to be dealing with that. If we want to have a right, PG so- spoilers discussion about whether or not Chris- Die Hard is a Christmas movie, that's fine. But if I have to tack that on to an otherwise full, long episode, I don't think so. Well, I, th- I think most of the complaints were just that you didn't give your opinion. So why don't we just rectify that, and uh, what's your opinion now? My opinion is that... I agree with Yield. It is an action movie set during Christmas. It is not a Christmas movie. All right. We're just going to... My girlfriend, Ashley, actually, though, disagrees with that. She thinks it is fully a Christmas movie and will troll me all the time. She can. But I mentioned it first of the season. She always mentions that it's, you know, it's getting ready. It's getting soon uh, to when we watch Die Hard. We actually never watch Die Hard uh, during Christmas, but she always likes to troll me and post things about it on Facebook. Yeah, she agreed with me on Facebook, which uh, I was very proud of. That's fine, but and, no, uh, I, I do not think that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. All right, well, I, you know, obviously Christmas has happened. Uh, it was a 
week ago and if you listen to this uh tomorrow is new year's eve so uh generally we take christmas off but i guess we decided just to keep going this year i well, I, I guess it's the way that christmas fell weeks. this year because it fell on a friday so i mean we had all like you know yield's not here because he's celebrating his family but obviously you and i got our celebrations done and none of us had to travel really so there's not really any reason not to do it yeah i mean i i've I had to work Christmas. I got called in the last minute, which really pissed me off uh, because we had uh, we had snow, which, which was making me work nonstop. And then just when I looked like I was going to have a day off on Christmas, they called me in the day before to, to uh, battle the big rainstorm that we got because they were worried it was going to freeze. Not only did it not rain, it also never got below 50 degrees. Well, that's why you get paid the big bucks. I mean, how how – much did you have to work on Christmas? Did you have to work into Christmas morning, or did you have to go in Christmas night? I had to go in at 4 p.m. on Christmas, and from about 4.06 until about 11.20, I was playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Did you get to at least spend Christmas with Sweet Mama D opening gifts at any point? Negative, because uh, this year she's with her mama. Okay, so, so it wouldn't have been any different if you were home. No, no, no. It just, it just I, I would appreciate the day off. That's all. Yeah. So today, today is actually my first day off in three weeks. So wait, did you all do Christmas early with her? No, we're actually, uh, well, the goddess and Sweet Mama D went over to my mother's house to celebrate Christmas because we go to my mother's house every year for Christmas. Um, because of my work schedule, I wasn't able to go, so... Sweet Mama D did open her Christmas gifts uh, a week early, but I was not there with her to celebrate because I had to sleep because I had to go back to work that night because of snow. And yet you still live in New York. I will live in New York for the next six years, and then once I retire, I move in the hell out of this state. And yet he always talks about how great New York City is. I love New York City. I, I really do. I hate the I hate our mayor right now, which is technically my boss. Which well, he's I not going to be your mayor for life, though. He's going to be my mayor for another year. Uh, I just got notification that uh, I mean, obviously, I it could be considered, but with the pandemic, that there's not going to be any uh, Times Square celebration for New Year's Eve, which I understand. Which but, I mean, I kind of expected people to go out there anyway because it's New Year's Eve and. When it comes to coronavirus, a lot of people seem not to care, you know, regardless of what's going on. So I figured at least a bunch of people would, you know, try to get out there and celebrate like it's a regular year. Oh, yeah, but there's not going to be like the millions of people that are normally there. Uh, if you guys remember last year, I was actually in Times Square uh, doing Facebook Live videos that a lot of people were upset about. It's like, I want to be there. I'm like, no, you really don't. You guys, like, the idea of going to Times Square for New Year's Eve sounds like a good idea. Until you're there. Well, I mean, I've heard stories of people, like, having to stand, and I don't know if it was from the show or not, but people, like, having to stand in line to be a part of it and then not being able to leave a line or something because you had to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Basically, people start lining up at, like, 9 o'clock in the morning. And once you get to the front of the line, you know, you're stuck there. And even if you wanted to get out, the chances are you're not going to be able to get out because people are so packed into there that you can't even move. So... Uh, what we wind up cleaning up is not only all the, the glitter and, you know, the balloons and the mask and all that stuff. You wind up cleaning up a lot of uh, 
bodily fluids. I mean, I'm sure the atmosphere there is 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 great, and it's an experience that everyone would like to have at least once in their life to be there when the ball drops and amongst all that celebration and joy. But the lead up, the hours of lead up to it, sound awful. Like I would never want to do it. I mean, the cool thing is last year I got to I got to meet uh, Jenny McCarthy, Donnie Wahlberg, Steve Harvey, uh, Ryan Seacrest. I got to beat them all. Uh, but it's not worth, you know, the hours away from your family and the the hour like, I, not to brag and this isn't a, you know a flex or anything, but once everybody gets the hell out of the way in Times Square, we can literally clean that area in less than ten minutes. But the problem is you got the whole bunch of truck idiots that are running around. You got people that are making out. You got the you know the celebrations and it's it's not a night that I wish on anybody, but. It's 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 a once in a lifetime experience, but I just would not recommend it to anybody. All right, so let's get on with the show because we're uh, ten minutes into the show. We're talking about New Year's Eve. Uh oh, the goddess is looking at me. Hold on a second. Yes, goddess. Uh oh, I'm in trouble. I think she saw the post there, Alex. <laughs> well, it's been nice knowing you, Tricky. Yeah. Uh... Let's see. Updated trophy count. I am level 602. Total trophies of 13,639 with 249 platinums. What about you, Alex? Level 433 with a total trophy count of 7,106 and a platinum count of 107 in 106 games. Still didn't earn a platinum this week, or a trophy this week, huh? No, I'm still, I mean, I'm still playing Crash, so I've earned... I mean, there are some easy pl- trophies I could go get by doing certain things in, in certain levels, but I'm, I'm mostly on the grind for those clear gems up until the end, so I haven't even beaten the game yet. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm three levels away, so I could easily beat it, you know, within one day. But I'm, I'm mostly going back to collect as many clear gems as I can. Uh before we actually move on, I was uh, tro- uh, scrolling uh, YouTube the other day, and they were talking about the easiest and hardest uh, platinums of the year, and they say that Crash Four is one of the hardest to get. Well, I'm aware. Like the, I mean, you can go look at, like, PlayStationTrophies.org and look. It's, like, rated a 9 out of 10, I think. I mean, like I said, yeah. you have to go through every single level, at least, like, do an insanely perfect run, which means you go through, you get all of the gem, you hit all the boxes, you get uh, all the requirements for the gems except for the hidden gem, and you don't die at all. You also have to get all of the Platinum Relic Medals. I think in the trilogy, the Insane Trilogy, you only had to get a, a relic, so you could get like the Sapphire Relic and be fine. This, to get one of the trophies, you have to do all the Platinum Relics, and that means you have to get the Platinum Relic for every single level. And then you also have to do all the Flashback Tapes, which can be kind of difficult. you got to get a Platinum Relic on that, which means you destroy all the boxes and the Flashback Tapes. So, yeah, it's a very difficult game. Like, it's insanely difficult. Like, this is, I mean, even above, I've got the all the Platinums in the, in the Crash Insane Trilogy, but this is far and above that. I'm bringing up the video right now just to see if they have like a description of all the. And since I mean this is trophy horse, so we no. talk trophies. So if you are, you know, yeah. I'm assuming that the people who are playing Crash Bandicoot are the are the ones who are huge fans and they love Crash Bandicoot. But I mean, this is this is never a game you should play if you want to get easy trophies because it's just not the case. I mean, you can get you know pop a lot of trophies, you know, your first run through, and you know this everything will seem easy. But there are a few in there that just require you to literally master every single level. Yeah, okay. It it doesn't have a list, so you can have to watch the video. I'll link the video in the the Facebook group on uh I was gonna say I don't need to watch the video, I already know it's hard as balls to get that platinum trophy. Well no, I was just showing the other ones because there was uh, one video of the easiest platinums and there was one for the uh 
the hardest. And you'll be happy to know that when he did the the video for the easiest, he left off like the rap plats like My Name is Mayo. So it's actually legit easy plats. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, of course. Turn the game on. If you're going to do a trophy, like a video like on that with rat bottoms, your video is going to be like seven hours long. Yeah. All right. So uh, yield is level 432 with total trophies of 6,862 with 112 platinums. And Sid is level 511, total trophies of 10,053 with 173 platinums. So, Alex, what have you been playing, sir? Well, I just pretty much described it in detail. Crash Team Racing. <laughs> or Crash Team Racing. No, I have. It's been a while since I played that. Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. And. Also, Rocket League Thursdays. We actually didn't get together to play last week. Everyone, everyone, you know, in the lead up to Christmas had engagements they they had to do, and we weren't able to get together. But I'm sure that we'll be returning to the the grind this week on our, our Thursday streams of of Rocket League over on the Proofy Gamer channel channel on Twitch. Did Did you just say you got engaged? You had engagement? No, I said everyone has engagements, like familial engagements, like they have get-togethers they need to go to. You missed the joke. I didn't know where was the joke. Because Ashley's going to listen to this and now go, Alex, why did you engage to me? I, I certainly wouldn't do that on a podcast. I would put more effort into it. <laughs> I know. Not going to just All right. it in. <laughs> and uh, what have I been playing? I've been playing uh, Division 2 and Assassin's Creed Valhalla. That's oh, it. I will say that I did look up some of the games that Steven had talked about for uh, some of the newer titles that were spotlighted in the Game Awards. You know, I was looking up Carry On and Phasmophobia and then also Raji. So I was disappointed to, to find out that Phasmophobia is not available on either the Switch or the PlayStation 4 and that Carry On is it's not available on the PlayStation, but it is available on the Switch, so I can get it there. Uh and Raji is available for the the PlayStation 4, so I was uh, I was looking at some of those games just to see, you know, checking out. I got some PlayStation gift cards, so I was just looking for games to buy and uh, looked through the sales. Didn't see anything of particular note, although it's it's obvious that PlayStation and, and Ubisoft are continually trying to sell everyone uh, every uh, Assassin's Creed game ever because it seems like now at this point they're all on sale all the time. But so yeah, I did check. Include- out. I was disappointed to find out that I couldn't get Carry On and Phasmophobia on the four. But Raji might be in my sights, uh, as Stephen had talked about. That was his hope for that. His hopeful for that category at the Game Awards. And I also checked out uh, Sea of Solitude. I kind of want. I, I mean, I, I love the visual style of that game and just kind of the story behind it. But at this point, I read a few reviews, and it seems like the gameplay isn't that fun. Like it never evolves past the early stages. So that's quite disappointing. But I, I, I mean, I still might give it a go. But. Uh, I just forgot what I was going to say. I don't remember. I'm sure it was nothing too important. Oh, Valhalla's on sale. Yeah, I saw that. Oh, well, you were talking about how you, that the goddess was going to be angry at you because you bought full-priced Valhalla, and then, like, less than a week later, it went on sale. Well, I, I, I sent you that message, and actually, that was the European PSN sale, and then uh, it the U.S. sale started, and yes, it was on there. So, yeah, I mean, Black Friday was a little bit too early for it to go on sale, but, I mean, at Christmas, you know, that gives it a little bit more room to sell at full price. This portion of the show is brought to you by Amazon. If you could and would, please stop by Proven Gamer first and click on any Amazon link and continue with your normal shopping. It doesn't cost you anything extra and helps out the site tremendously. Hey, there's that so guy I was I... talking about earlier. That's Steven. Steven with all the great so game I... suggestions. 
So I sent a message to the goddess asking her why she was giving me the look. And she, she's, I said, she says, you lied to me. I said, about what? She goes, meeting Donnie Wahlberg. Fuck you. Well, you told her you didn't meet Donnie Wahlberg? I told her I did. She's claiming I, I didn't. She's messaging me right now. I said, I told you. She said, no, you didn't. So she sent me another message right now. She said, I'm glad you find it amusing. She had a big crush on Donnie Wahlberg growing up. Well, was that because he was part of New, Bar- New Kids on the Block? Yes. I'm sure that there were many uh, young ladies in that same boat with, with the goddess who had crushes on Donnie Wahlberg and Joey McIntyre and Jordan Knight and the other two. I can't remember their names. Uh, hold on a second. Goddess, what are the names of the new kids on the block? Wait, were there four or five? There was five. What? Donnie Wahlberg, Joey McIntyre. Jordan Knight. Danny Wood and Jordan Knight. Well, I already said Jordan Knight, so who's the fifth? Jonathan Knight. Oh, okay, the brothers? Okay. Yes. I thought you said Jonathan. Okay, anyway, let's get into uh, the show. Uh, our first topic, I put it in here because I thought this was funny, Alex, because I know what you're going to say. Well, I mean, Ashley's oldest, uh, Sam, he brought this up at dinner <laughs> the other night, and I was like, but first, like, it, 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 like when someone tells you this, and you, you, you don't have a story a to read. It's kind of like, this is batshit crazy. What are you, are you lying to me? Like, no one believes this at face value for, for, at first. Yeah. Uh, there is a 4K, 200 frames per second, KFC console. And the best part is, it keeps your chicken warm. This is coming from IGN, written by Adam Bankers. Uh, move over PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. The Kentucky Fried Chicken has announced its KF console, a VR-ready, Intel-powered PC-capable 4K, ray tracing, gameplay up to 240 frames per second, and a chicken chamber to keep your chicken warm as you game. And no, we are not kidding. Uh, if you guys want to see a look at this, I think it's pretty fucking cool. Go to KFC Gaming on Twitter and you can see it. Uh... Alex, what is your thoughts about this? Because this is actually the second non-video game company that's come out with a console. My thoughts on this are it's incredibly unnecessary. <laughs> I don't know, like, first of all, I am never going to need chicken to keep chicken warm within a video game console because I'm not eating that chicken anywhere near a game console because then I'm just going to ruin the controllers and get everything just all greasy and disgusting. So this is completely unnecessary. I mean... I guess it's kind of cool that someone conceived this, but also this is an item I would never spend money on. It is also coming with two uh, Seagate Barracuda one terabyte hard drive, solid state hard drives. Uh, yeah. So yeah, if you're a chicken lover and you want a decent PC, I don't know a price or release date or where this is available. Yeah, they haven't been announced yet. It says the article says. Yeah, KFC is a. Uh, yeah, they this made their own this console. seems like an idea that people think is cool on paper and like they like reading about it and then when the console comes out it just flops because everyone's like why the fuck would I need this did uh okay so the other I referenced the other one do you, do you know what the other one is the other non-video game company came up with a console I mean I can't I sent you a picture of it. it it's called the BL6 the Bud Light 6 um it's not a, a console per se. It has six games on there. Uh, it has a projector. It has two. Uh, it comes with like a six pack. Like you buy a six pack of beer uh, for the bottles, and two slots are to keep your beers cold. Uh, two slots are where the controllers are, and the other one it's it has a projector. 
but I don't think they're readily for sale. I think they were very limited and only sent out to certain people. I was going to so. say, judging by the quality of Bud Light's beer, I would want nothing to do with a video game console built by Ooh, them. Ooh, shots fired. I'm sure I just insulted half of middle America <laughs> by saying that Bud Light is shit beer, but I'm sorry it is. I, I mean, I like Budweiser. I'm not really a fan of Bud Light, but... Budweiser is crap, too. Oh, you know what? This podcast is over. Thank you, everybody. See you guys next year. Really I really off? want to know how many people will stop listening there. <laughs> well, I didn't do the outro music, so hopefully a couple people stayed. Well, All right, well, we so only next... hope that people actually make it to the outro. Uh, the next story uh, is also coming from IGN, also written by Adam Bankhurst. The PlayStation 5 will now show a warning if you start a PlayStation 4 version of a cross-gen game. Uh, I don't really need to read the article. Basically, uh, we talked about this on the show previously, Alex. I'm sure you remember. Where people were complaining that they were putting, uh, they were playing games on their PS5, but it turns out they were actually playing the PlayStation 4 version because that's what that's what the system was defaulting to. Uh, now Sony has come out with an update and the newest update for the PlayStation 5. So now when you start a game, it will tell you you're about to play the PlayStation 4 version of the game. Do you wish to switch to the PlayStation 5 version? And you have the choice to choose back and forth. Uh, so when you when it gives you that message, you can it'll give you the opportunity to be like, hey, switch to the PlayStation Five version, right? Which, okay, now this is a first world problem. I'm going to tell you straight out, but the reason I don't like this is because right now I'm playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I do not have the PlayStation Five version installed on my PlayStation Five. I only have the four version because I wanted to make sure I kept playing the four version. This pops up and. If I accidentally say switch to the PlayStation 5 version, it automatically downloads the PlayStation 5 version onto my system. It just, wait, so it's like, hey, it just pays. You have to pay for it. No, no, no. I have. It's a free upgrade. But okay. Wait, well, hold on. Time out. Me... Time out. So okay. wait, is is the five version of Valhalla actually out? It's not out, is it? It's out. Yeah, it's out. So why wouldn't you be playing that? Because when I. I'm playing Valhalla on my work PlayStation, which is a PlayStation 4. So I'm on my 5, I'm actually playing... When I continue to play on the 5, I'm playing it on the 4 version. Okay, but I figure you, that you would... It wouldn't be a big deal for you to download it. Just go ahead and download it, and then you won't, like... But then if I progress on the PlayStation 5 version, when I go back to my work PlayStation, I, I, I have to recap everything I did on the 5. So I'm playing the same version back and forth. The point... It sounds point like you should just wait here for the 5 version. Well, I have the 5 version. But, I don't think you understand what no, I'm you're, saying. You're playing the, the PlayStation 4 version. Correct, because I don't have a work PlayStation 5. And because you got a free upgrade, you have the 5 version too. Correct. What I'm saying is you just should, should just waited for the 5 version and bought the 5 version. I have the 5 version. So, why didn't you just play the 5 version instead of playing the 4 version? Because I don't have a work PlayStation 5 yet. So, therefore, if I'm going to play How at about work, you I have work to play at work. Well, I mean, that's a novel idea, but I mean, if you if you were able to play video games at work, wouldn't you? I mean, I guess so, but you're also on taxpayers' <laughs> money, so I would feel some sense of guilt for playing video games on taxpayers' money. Oh, I feel real guilty as I'm popping platinums. 
Yeah, shitty platinum said that. Anyway. No, I get the fact just, that you're saying I I have a save file for the four version, so I'm continuing that. I just for for someone who is a technophile like you, I figure you would at if you had an option to play the the best and the most, you know, futuristic version, you would opt to go with that. Oh, I do want to play the PlayStation 5 version. That's why after I beat on the 4 version, I'm going to play it again on the 5. Yeah, but that's such a long it... game. Like, why would you want to play the game twice? Because I love Assassin's Creed. All right. All right. So, yes, now the the long story of this is is that when you start to play a game that's cross-gen, uh, no matter what game it is, it will automatically pop up asking you if you want to play the PlayStation 4 version or the PlayStation 5 version. Uh, one thing, Alex, you also need to know to, to, know, to see why this is uh, a little bit of a confusion is uh, with Assassin's Creed Valhalla, like it's on my PlayStation 5, the, if I have both the 4 and the 5 versions installed on my system, there's only one icon. There's not two different icons for the game. So I would have to hit the options button to say switch to the PlayStation 4 version or switch to the PlayStation 5 version. That's why I only have the 4 version installed because I don't want to accidentally start it on the 5. I, so now with the, I know you're annoyed with yeah. this, and I know you admitted <laughs> it's a first world problem, but I think it's great that they're like, they've highlighted for people. I mean, for a lot of people, this was a serious issue. Like if you, to know which exact version you're playing, I think that it should like basically slap you in the face and say, this is the version you're going to play, or would you rather play this version? I mean, that's, well, that's clearly Sony doing stuff based on feedback from their customer base. Absolutely, but here's my here, all right. Here's my counterpoint to what you just said. This Which message probably only, only pops, pertains to your pertains to your personal experience. This message only pops up if you're going to play a PlayStation Four version of the game. So if I was to start Assassin's Creed Valhalla on the five. The 5 version, this message would not pop up asking me if I wanted to actually play the PlayStation 4 version. Because I'm assuming so, they're like, hey, you bought a PlayStation 5, you probably don't need care to be notified that you're playing a PlayStation 5 version of a game. I mean, no one bought the PlayStation 5 to play PlayStation 4 games. Well, I don't know about that. But the uh, the point I was going to make is that if you are, like Alex just said, you, you're playing, you bought the 5 to play the 5 version... This, if you didn't have the PlayStation 4 version sold on your system, this wouldn't even be a problem. So that's why I'm saying this is a first world problem because this is only hindering the people that are playing PlayStation 4 versions of the games. If you play the PlayStation 5 version of the game, this message doesn't pop up. So if you don't want to play the PlayStation 4 version, don't install it on your system. Yeah, but I mean, if, if, if you don't get a message, then you obviously know that you're playing the PlayStation 5 version. Which, if that is the right. native version of the console you wouldn't expect to see a message. Correct. All right, so we're moving on now. The next thing, uh, I put this in, this article in, because I thought this was pretty interesting. Uh, this is coming from Adam Bakerhurst again of IGN. Cyberpunk 2077 has sold over 13 million copies as of December 20th, and this is after the games have been refunded. So they've sold 13 million copies that have not been refunded yet and so wait, they had wait, a pre it is okay so this is they've done the refunds and this is the still the case the number of the games have sold and people are still playing out there 13 million copies of the game yes. which i mean okay so we had a question from from levi last week 
it was like we've had questions like this before it's like you know releasing a game clear that's clearly not ready like is this the new norm something like this where yes their stock drop but yet they still sell 13 million copies of a game where you know the playstation 4 and xbox one version should not have been out there what have they learned from this they stole a nothing. shit ton of copies of a game, and yes, a lot of those may be for PC, but they sold a shit ton of copies that, you know, I guess people can play on their on their 5s and their Xs and their Ss, so it's not like they're everyone's playing on last gen or, you know, the, the 4 and the 1. But even after all this, that the game is basically proven unplayable or almost unplayable on the older consoles, 13 million copies. Like, what's to stop developers from just releasing broken games and then fixing them later? I, I sent you guys a message. I don't know if it was, <coughs> I don't know if it was to just you and Yield or, uh, hold on, or it said it in the other chat, but they, hold on, I gotta find it. Uh, I don't remember where I sent it. Uh, I know people were still upset, and I said this on last week's show, that people were upset that. They couldn't keep the game even after getting refunded. Oh yeah, you showed us that, and I and Yield gave the uh, essentially a, an eye roll to it. Which, but yeah, I don't understand that. If you if you ask for a refund, like you're like, hey, this is not the vacuum cleaner I wanted. Can I please get a, a refund of this vacuum cleaner that I bought? And they said, sure. You know, could we have it back? You as a customer don't get to say, but well, wait, I don't get my money, and then get to take the, the vacuum too. Right. The, uh. And we're going to go further into uh, Cyberpunk in a minute uh, because we have some more news. But, I mean, do you see my point there, Tricky? It's like they've sold so many copies of this game that, you know, some versions of it, they they basically neglected to check for any serious problems. And yet, it's sales-wise, it seems to be a huge success. Uh, you knew it was going to happen like this. I mean, even the, the subtitle for the headline since Cyberpunk 2077 already sold 8 million copies before launch with pre-orders. So that means they they had 8 million pre-orders and they sold over 5 million because you have to account for the refunds after everybody said that this game was dog shit. So, and I'm not saying that to, you know, be disrespectful. I'm just saying, you know, all the reports are saying that Cyberpunk is broken right now and they still sold 5 million copies after all these reports started coming out. So you're going to tell me, you know, like to, to your point, like it doesn't matter. This is what's going to be happening, and well, like I don't wish any ill will towards CD Projekt Red. I will think twice. I don't either. Buying any of their products in the future. Um, granted, I I didn't play the Witch any of the Witcher series. I didn't buy CD or uh, Cyberpunk, and I've, I've never, I don't think I've ever bought a CD Projekt Red game. But I certainly am be going to be a lot more hesitant about it in the future. But I don't wish them any ill will, and certainly none to their developers who work so hard in this game. I want to see a shakeup in management. That I mean, or I would like to see that. You know, especially after everything that's happened. But. I also, like, you see people, like, review bombing the game and giving it poor user scores, and then you go see people, like, complain about the game everywhere, and then you see the sales numbers for it, and it's like, like, we as, as like, people playing the games, like, we are not, we're basically saying one thing and then doing another. It's it's like, we are, we're giving this company money, but also chiding them and, and saying that their behavior is wrong, and, like, what does the company learn? And it's not just CD Projekt Red. It's, like, all over, like, with video games as a whole. It's, like, we complain about certain things, then we go ahead and, like, just do them anyway. Like, we complain about the cost of certain free-to-play games, and then we put more money into them and then ask for, you know, certain aspects of the games to be changed. It's like, you can't do that 
when you're supporting these things financially like this. Yeah, and, and I I think the what we need to do, and I, I'm just as guilty as anybody else, is stop uh, pre-ordering games before they come out. I mean, because even in this article, it says uh, to- Cyberpunk 2077 launched on December 10th and had already sold 8 million copies and recouped all of its marketing and development costs before the game was even released. So if I was, you know, a, a, a shitty manager at CD Projekt Red and I saw, hey, just through pre-orders that we haven't even released a game yet and we've already made back all of our money, let's just go ahead and release the game. To be fair, that's an anomaly. That's like that doesn't always happen. That rarely actually. No, happens. no, no, no. It doesn't always happen. But the point is, is if you have to get this game on the on the shelves, and you already know that you got your money back before the game is even released, it's less incentive for us to release it. You know, if I I'm saying if I was a developer, it's less incentive for me to make sure the game's right before it's released because I've already made my money back. What the fuck do I care? Yeah. As like I look at it, you know, from a standpoint, like if they weather the storm and they get past all the bad press, at the end of the day, they can say we sold this many copies of the game. It was wildly successful for us, despite the fact that there was a lot of backlash. Like clearly, we what we've learned is we, you know, if we have, uh, I mean, we can put out a game, and not everyone can do this, but you know, in some instances, instances we can sell a lot of copies of a game that even we didn't finish yet and we didn't even check fully for bugs. Like, I think it sets a bad precedent and it, you know, we ask the question, is it is the, is the new norm that people just release bad games or broken games and then fix them later? Like, I think that this game is in the process of setting that precedent because companies are learning from this that, man, if we make a game that's good enough or interesting enough, then we can release it and they'll still buy it and even if it's broken, you know, we we'll may have to do some refunds but it can still be wildly successful. Mm. All right. Speaking of another wildly successful game, The Last of Us 2, we talked about this previously on a topic of the week, uh, but this article is coming from GamerRant, uh, GameRant.com and is written by Dalton Cooper. We're taking a break from uh, um, hanging off of IGN's nuts for a week. <laughs> um, If you remember, Alex, we talked about uh, there was a little bit of a controversy with saying that Naughty Dog didn't deserve the Best Direction Award because of the crunch. Which we have talked about previously on the show. Correct. About our thoughts about removing certain games from contention because they, you know, they shouldn't win Best Direction because of the fact that there might have been crunch or developmental issues in the process. Uh, So uh, the article goes on to say, uh, in an interview, Keeley discussed ongoing Last of Us 2 controversies one big thing coming through the Game Awards was that The Last of Us 2 won the award for Best Direction, even though the game was developed by employees who had to crunch, with some perspective as a failure of the game's director, director and management. Keeley said the discussion about this is, quote, a healthy discussion to have, end quote, but pushed back on the crunch culture being a reason why a game should not be eligible for a certain award. Keeley describes the situation as a, quote, slippery slope, end quote, and would rather say that everything's eligible, leaving it up to the people involved in the Game Awards voting to decide what should be nominated and what should win. Keeley added that he is open to discussion, but is not sure how to approach the situation at this time. In the interview, Keeley also addressed the accusation he was somehow, quote, paid off, end quote, by Naughty Dog to give The Last of Us 2 all of its wins. Keeley stressed that he does not nominate the games that are up for awards at the Game Awards and is not involved in selecting the winners either. However, Keeley revealed that his personal game of the year wasn't even The Last of Us 2, but rather Half-Life Alex, which was not even nominated for the Game of the Year award. 
So, Alex, uh, do you want to speak on this, or do you want me to explain uh, how a game gets nominated and wins? Um. So, I well, first, like Jeff Keeley, you know, going to the uh, like basically describing removing games from contention because of you know, uh, from especially from the, the the best direction category because of stuff that might have happened behind the scenes. Or particularly, more particularly, crunch. Uh, it kind of jives with what I said in that, you know, it's a it's a slippery slope, and you can't just remove one game from contention because of it. It's, I think that if you want to have that discussion as a whole, as an industry, that's that's fine. If you want to try to eliminate crunch and you want to talk about poor management of games, but the game awards isn't the place to do that. And there are a lot of people that worked really hard and sometimes worked over what they should have had to work on that game to to make it out there. And, you know, those people deserve the work, the credit for their work. And a lot of times with bad management, it's not like an, even half a team of people. It's like a few people ahead of a, you know, at the head of a, a project that just isn't working or maybe like a bunch of board members or something. But the, the majority of the team is still working as hard as they can to get that game out. So I, I'm with Jeff Keighley and I don't think games should be removed from contention from the best direction uh, in contention for that award. And which can, you know, if you do that, it leads to being like, well, we can't nominated for best action game of the year because it had all these problems i just don't think you can take that route if you're going to tackle something like crunch tackle it somewhere besides the game awards i and i agree all right so let me explain to people that don't know how the game awards happen uh what it does is everybody that's eligible to nominate games i think there's like 80 plus people that are eligible to nominate games uh so alex i'm going to use you as an example uh I'm going to tell you that uh, I'm going to give you all the categories and you have to nominate the games. So just for example, game of the year. Okay. You go in on and you list your five favorite games for the Ghost year. Of Shishima, Ghost of Shishima, Ghost of Shishima, Ghost of Shishima, <laughs> and Ghost of Shishima. It has to be five different games. I said, anyway. I said what I said. Okay. So Alex gets his five nominations. I get my five nominations. Yield gets his five nominations. Kalai, Joe, Corey, and Roberto. Wait, were there, there five nominees in each category or were there six for the game of uh, the year? I, actually, I think for game of the year, there might be six, but I think most categories are five. Okay. So, but the point is, is you get, you nominate, you know, five games. I nominate five games. And then what happens is all the ballots go in. And whoever wins, whoever has the most nominations gets listed as the top five official nominations. Then a second round goes out to the general public, which you see online, and back to the people that nominated the games, and then they have to pick their game of the year out of those top five. So let's just say you get all the categories, Alex, and just a perfect example... You know, esports personality of the year. You don't nominate five people because you just don't know five people. You just don't have five people to nominate. If you don't have five, you don't, your vote doesn't count in the general nominations. So you, you just don't vote on that. And then when game, uh, you know, when the official nominations come out and you get your ballot again, you could choose not to vote or not. So the point I'm making here is Jeff Keighley doesn't just choose his top five games. It's the industry picks their, not, their nominations of what they want, and he doesn't know what anybody's going to nominate. 
And then when it all comes together, they take the top the top five games that got the most votes in each category. Those are your official nominations. And then it gets released to the public for the public to vote and for the same people to vote on their game of the year after that. Well, Keel even mentioned in the, the Game Rant article or you know the, in the coverage of this whole story that his favorite game of the of, last, of this year was Half-Life Alex. It wasn't even nominated for Game of the Year. Right. So and actually, that uh, game actually won GameSpot's Game of the Year. So, so the, the 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 general point here is that everybody's coming after Keeley because the Last of Us Two won Best Direction, but you have to understand it's people from the industry that even nominated the Last did, of Us Two. Keeley didn't so, even get any votes, did he? No, Keeley never votes on any of these. So the point is, is that the industry nominated The Last of Us 2. And if the industry didn't have a problem with it, then I, I, I'm not going to say that the general public shouldn't have a problem with it. But the general public should take that into consideration that the industry voted for this. I mean, the, the general public, they're going to think what they're going to think. I mean, clearly, The Last of Us Part 2 is a very divisive game and people are very vocal about it. And people are very vocal about not taking Jeff Keighley or the, the Game Awards seriously. But I, I don't know why. I mean, do, do you have some hate for Jeff Keighley or whatever? But the the fact, I mean, like I said, he picked Half-Life Alex as his personal game of the year, which I, like clearly is a game that you know got some consideration elsewhere and even won GameSpot's game of the year. And you look at all the categories, and the contenders are pretty rock solid up and down. It's not like any joke categories. So I, I don't really understand what people have as problems with the Game Awards or with Jeff Keighley. I, I just don't get it. I I don't have a problem with Jeff Keighley, so per se, I just I don't think he's as big as everybody makes him out to be. That's my only thing. I respect what he's done I, with the Game Awards. I think he's done, and you know, and all the people he worked with, and everyone behind the scenes, and everyone who comes together to make the show happen. I'm I'm impressed with what they have managed to do and what they managed to turn it into, despite oh absolutely, despite what people you know, um. You know, uh, like people not taking it seriously or not wanting to, to watch it or just, you know, not liking Jeff Keighley for some reason. I don't, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, I have no issues with the Game Awards. And I feel like they nominated and, you know, everything was done fairly. And the, the, the people that actually won, like, you can look at it and say, yeah, that's completely believable. So, Well, I think the, the I think the problem with the Game Awards is they're getting uh, residual hate from the, uh, the Video Game Awards back when it was on Spike TV when it was a joke. And I, I like... Like you said, I got respect for Jeff Keighley. He's done a hell of a job with it. I just don't think Jeff Keighley is the you know the god that everybody makes. Well, no him out one's to be. making him out to be Jesus Christ. I don't know where. You're... Well, well, it. it uh, I'm not gonna say they're making him out to be. Uh, I said God, but I'm not saying they're making him out to be Jesus Christ. I think I just think people make him a bigger deal than he really is. That's all. I mean, I, all I right. don't gather that at all. But um, I mean, well, I mean, you think about like video game, like. You think about awards for television and movies and music and all that. All those are firmly established for decades and decades now. Video game awards are a relatively new thing. So, and, you know, for a long time, I guess maybe certain award shows, Spike Video Game Awards, kind of embraced, like, the more, like, childishness of video games as for, as opposed to, like, what I think Keeley and, and other people are trying to do now, which is embracing more of the art form that it is and the more serious tones that we're seeing come out in video games and play out in the stories. So I think that, you know, maybe some of it is, is based on, you know, the joke award shows that were done before and the fact that, you know, video game award shows are kind of still, you know, compared to other mediums in, in, in a bit of an infancy. But, I mean, as far as it seems like Jeff Keighley and, and those involved take, the, you know, the game awards, they seem to take it pretty seriously and, like, to treat it with respect. 
If you're looking for additional ways to support us, you can always stop by our Patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash ProvenGamer. No matter what tier you decide to support us at, know that it helps pay the bills and is greatly appreciated. And it's the only way to get the newest podcast, Tricky Thoughts, where Tricky sits down and discusses current events, social issues, and much more. All right, now for our topic of the week. Again, this is coming from IGN, and again, it is written by Adam Bankers. All right, right and back to just... IGN's nuts. <laughs> well, apparently we're writing uh, Mr. Bankers nuts, too. Uh, you, Mr. Bankers, you should take great pride in that. Cyberpunk 2077, class action lawsuit filed against CG Project SA. New York-based Rosen Law Firm has filed a class action suit against Cyberpunk uh, publisher CD Projekt SA due to its alleged violation of federal security laws. Announced in the press release, Rosen Law Firm is filing the class action suit on behalf of the purchasers of the securities of CD Projekt SA between January 16, 2020 and December 17, 2020 and is seeking to, re- quote, recover damages for the CG Project investors under the federal securities laws. The lawsuit claims that CD Projekt made, quote, false and or misleading statements End quote, and or failed to disclose Cyberpunk 2077 was virtually unplayable on the current gen PlayStation and Xbox systems due to enormous number of bugs. End quote. In response to the many issues and messing around Sony around the project game's launch, Sony has removed it from the stores, and Sony, Microsoft, and CG Project would be forced to quote be forced to offer full refunds of the game. End quote. The lawsuit claims that as a result of the above, quote CD Project would suffer. Rep- reputational and pecuniary harm, end quote, and that its, quote, statements about business operations and prospects were materially false and misleading and or lacked reasonable basis at all relevant times. When the true details entered the market, the lawsuit claims the inventors suffered damages, end quote. Well, yeah, because it the goes stock on. dropped like crazy. Yeah, uh, it says it dropped 29% at launch. Uh, so... Not I, I wish we had Troy for this kind of conversation, but uh, legally I know that they can be sued. But is it worth, in your opinion, going this far to sue CG Project Red? I mean, if you're an investor of CG Project Red, and you know, in January of this year we talked about it last week, there were it was said to be that the game was playable and finished. And some of the developers went and said, why did you say this? Because it's clearly not. You know, they delayed it. New, like, even after they said it was playable and finished, like, you know, we got to be almost a year before they released the game after those comments. And then you have the game come out and, like, they're showing video from the PC and make everything seem hunky-dory. Meanwhile, they, you know, in, you know, just gross negligence admitted that they didn't check the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One versions all that well. And the game comes out and there's a humongous number of bugs. And then after all that enters the market, their stock drops, which has an effect on investors, like their money, like people put in money and then that money, like that value grows based on how the company does. And all of a sudden the company loses a shit ton of money because they mislead everybody or, you know, practice just gross negligence about the, uh, some of the versions that come out and people, you know, people can lose like their livelihood over shit like this. People put their money in securities in the market and that money isn't protected. Like you can lose everything. So, for that company to lose that much money on this based on their own poor behavior, I think absolutely people should sue them. I I, I think it's... I mean, 
I, I don't disagree with what you said, Alex, but I don't, I think I just think this is a step too far. I mean, something that can be fixed like this. See, but you say I, the I, game can be fixed, but what about the value of the stock and the people who invested in the company? That's not as easy stock, to fix. Right, but stocks go up and down all the time. Now, granted, yes, yes but it, this is directly the fault of the company that caused this. I'm going to tell you, if I had invested in CD Projekt Red, if I had money invested in them as a company and this happened, I would immediately sell whatever money. Even if I had to sell at a loss, I would sell everything I had in this company because clearly I could not trust them. But their reputation... Okay, granted, they, they launched a extremely buggy game, but the reputation of The Witcher, which arguably is... Okay, but here's the thing. Let's say Sony, like... Sony doesn't get to release, like, a bunch of really good games and have that goodwill carry over into, like, or, like, a bunch of, like, they like it's like, oh, the PlayStation family of consoles, these are all fantastic, I've had such great memories with all these, and then they release the, the 6 or whatever, and it's a, it's a shit show, it's an awful mess, and then people are like, well, you know, you did this, you know, you, you didn't fully check everything with the system and you released it and it's crappy and everyone wasted this money and then your investors lose a bunch of money or their 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 investment in you loses a bunch of value because you made these poor decisions. Like, your previous decisions don't get to cover for the shitty things you do in the future. I grant you that, but... And, again, I... Okay, what I'm about to say may be totally ignorant uh, in... But from what I... The way I understand uh, stocks and whatnot, this is what I... This is why I find this just a step too far. All right, so Alex, we use a perfect uh, as example here. Well, you're I'm, a, I'm you, your guinea pig today. Okay, uh, you own stock in CG Project Red. Okay, let's say you own. To be clear, I 10, do not own pr- no. stock in CG Project Red. No, just this is just an example. Well, I know I don't want somebody listening and then me, you know, <laughs> being like, "Hey, he yeah. didn't disclose that he owns securities in CG Project Red." All right, so you own $10,000 worth of stock in CG Project Red. When the game launched, your stock fell down to 2500 which is a, a, extreme, but you know what I'm saying. Now you sue. Let's say you win your, your, your lawsuit against CG Project Red and you get your $10,000 back. You still keep your stock. So now when the company rebounds, your stock goes back up. Now you have a whole bunch of extra money. That's why I find this a little shitty. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the stock will rebound. You can't always assume Cor- that's going to happen. Correct. And people, but people, if like stock- I said, people have lost all their money, you know, all their savings, everything, any any like financial value they have in the stock market. And yes, you so- do accept that risk when you enter the market. But when you have companies being negligent, as CD Projekt Red has been negligent, and I think we have agreed that they have misled people and they they were negligent, and when it comes to this I- console release. I do. Yes, I do. When you but have now, companies me, doing that and causing such a uh, a humongous loss of money and value, I don't think anyone should ever want to invest in them again. You know, now like it's like BP. So BP had that big oil spill in the Gulf all those years back, and their Correct. stock tanked. Like they were toxic. No one wanted to touch them. And you know, all the, I mean, obviously they are still around. They're still around as a company, but their their stock got really low in value, and then people went and bought it up. Because, you know, people will do that. They'll say, okay, company's reputation is really bad right now, but the stock is, is just, it's so low that I can buy it, and then if it goes back, I've won. Like, I, I've made a very small investment, and it's a low risk because, well, it's, it's just a small, like, the, the stock price is terrible, but if it goes up, then I, I'm the winner here. 
But now, but let me ask you a question. You're kind of excusing. You're saying, oh, it's too far to sue these people. Like, it, like the, the company, you know, this goes just above releasing a, a really bad version, uh, like, bad versions of the game. Like, people's actual money is tied up in your decisions as a company, and this company made really, really bad decisions that, you know, the company is, like, they sold 13 million copies of this game already. So, I mean... They've, they've, but the point, the, the games, but Alex, the, <clears throat> the point is, if I've invested in CG Project, I, I'm taking, I know I'm taking a risk, and if the company, if the, if the stock rebounds, going back to my previous uh, statement, you know, you get your money back because the value of the stock went back up. Don't you think you should have to get back the money for the lawsuit? No. No, like uh, see, st- I, you, you, you get into the market based on the understanding that the, the market is volatile and there are risks. Sometimes, you know, maybe you'll buy stock in a company and that company, you know, all of a sudden there's a competitor that, you know, kicks that company out of the market and you're, the company loses value and you've lost your money or something. There's like some closure or something like that. But you don't invest in a company with the understanding that the company might fuck up and do really stupid shit and do foolish things that affect your money. That's not the volatility we're talking about. And if they, the companies are doing that, then they need to be held accountable for it. See, I, I just think this is way too early for a lawsuit because there, yes, they made bad decisions. It, they caused a whole bunch of bugs. Uh, the, the stock, the stock uh, dropped. I get all that. But you, you're launching a lawsuit not even a month after the game is launched and you haven't given a chance for the stocks to rebound yet. They may not I, rebound. They may not rebound, but... Give it time because oh, if it so doesn't it's two rebound, years down the road enough time for them to uh, see uh, if the uh, stocks rebound. Oh, hold on, please uh, stop cutting me off here. My point being is, it's got to be a reasonable amount of time. Two years, way too long. A reasonable amount of time. Give them a chance to fix this. How many times have we seen games come out buggy as hell and they fixed it? No Man's Sky. Is a perfect example. The game that came out, it under delivered what it was promised, and now a year later, what two years later, it's one of the best games out there. I'm not saying you have to wait a year. I'm not saying you have to wait two years, but uh, less than it's literally less than two weeks uh, ago, and we're filing lawsuits. Well, basically, already. what you're saying is, if it's okay, you know, this is a terrible situation, but if the stock rebounds, it's fine. CD Projekt Red shouldn't be punished for what they've done. I don't. Yeah, I. That's what I. That's basically what Are I'm saying. Are you serious? Like you. I. You I see no. I honestly you don't think that they should be held legal responsible for some of the actions they've taken. If they ha- if if the stock rebounds, what have you really lost? Then what if they do this again, Tricky? And they play with I, people, and they fuck up, and they mess with people's money again. I okay, but the point is, is that when you follow a lawsuit, you're following for damages. If you if the stock rebounds, there's no damages. If I sell you a faulty car, there's damages to the trust between the company and the and the shareholders and the company okay, and okay. their consumers. But Alex, if I buy if I sell you a car, and you pay me five thousand dollars for the car, and then you go and get the car inspected, you come to find out, hey, it needs two thousand dollars worth of uh, repairs, whatnot. You could turn around and say, okay, well, you sold me a faulty car. But if I turn around and I pay the $2,000 and I've refunded you all the money that it would have cost you extra, 
then there's no damages. That's the point of a lawsuit. A lawsuit is to recover damages. If the stock rebounds, then there are no damages. I'm not saying give CG Project Red a pass for what they did. You're absolutely what they saying did, give them a pass. No, no. what I'm saying is they released a shitty game. I get that. They fucked up. 100% end stop. They're wrong. But if they fix their mistakes and there are no damages, there is no lawsuit. That's what I'm saying. Do you do you invest in the market? I do. Oh, okay. Well. Um my, my uh, listen, I'm not I'm not giving them a pass for releasing a a buggy and shitty game on the consoles. What they did was fucked up. Uh, thousand percent i am not dismissing that at all i'm not giving them a pass on that what i'm saying simply saying is the lawsuit is filed to recover damages if they recover and they fix and they uh get back the stock price to what it was prior to launch then there are no damages and there's you know, no you know there's also such a thing in the legal system as punitive damages right i understand that for, for bad behavior essentially I, I and I, again, I understand that. I'm just simply saying, you cannot. I, I think this is shitty to file a lawsuit when you have not given them a chance to basically fix their mistake. Um, they had a chance to fix their mistakes, and it was called not releasing that game when they shouldn't have released the game and directly misleading people. All right, so when you first heard or you saw a post or something that, hey, CD Projekt Red's stock has dropped by a billion or one point eight billion or whatever it was, what'd you right. think of that number? I thought it was that's absolutely insane. So imagine how the people who invested in CG Project Red felt. Like, say I have money invested in a company, and the, the you know the value of my stock is fifty thousand dollars, and that company makes a, a terrible decision. Like they have like a certain beverage that they release, a new beverage, and they don't fully test it, and they release it, and like it causes all these skin issues and all that kind of stuff, um, like. And then people are like, I like people want refunds. There's like, you know, I mean, I guess that's that might be medical, so it might be different than just playing a video game. Um, but I'm trying to think of like, say, basically, if I have money invested in a company, and then all of a sudden my value drops in that stock, not just by the volatility of the market, but say I have like fifty thousand value, and then the next day it's like ten thousand, and it's because of a company's negligence. I'm yes, of course, I, I want to sue them. I want some kind of action taken against them legally because my the my money, which who knows, maybe I invested you know twenty thousand and it went down to ten thousand. I've just now lost thousands of dollars because of the negligence of the managers of this company. Why shouldn't I? Be okay. Pissed? Okay, fair. I, I I'm with you on that. But now here's the counterpoint: the day after you file that lawsuit, the stock rises and now you've made a ten thousand dollar profit. Do you withdraw your lawsuit? Uh, no, I want punitive damages. Okay, that's where me and you were disagreeing. Because well, why I, they I be, feel... Why, if they are playing so fast and loose with people's money, because why you, should they you not haven't, be like, punitively damaged? Or why, because why you they didn't lose anything. You did not lose anything. You These people potentially, yes, lost point. quite a bit. Because their stock has not rebounded, and you can't assume no, it's no, going to rebound. You, uh, no, no, you're going back to the original... Scenario. I'm asking you. You bought ten twenty thousand dollars in stock. Tricky. We are it not commenting to... on a what if. We are commenting on the situation I, right now. No, I, I understand that, but this is why. But I'm trying to make my point: is if you invest twenty thousand dollars into stock, and then tomorrow it drops down to ten thousand, 
and the company did nothing wrong, you've now lost $10,000, right? Correct? We agree so far? Tricky, I get your point. Your point is fucking stupid. No. Yes, your my point, point is fucking my point, stupid. My point is if that same stock the very next day goes up back up to $30,000, you've now made a $10,000 profit, and now you want to sue the company for punitive damages when you've already made $10,000 profit. They are and not suing the company nothing. because of market volatility. They are suing the company because of negative and harmful actions the company took in the release of their new game. You don't sue people because you lost money. You sue people in over this kind of stuff because the company did something they shouldn't have done, misleading investors basically to try to, to meet their own financial goals, and then they fucked up and the game released a buggy game that a lot of people have to ask refunds for and the stock drops. People are not suing because they lost money in a volatile market. They are suing because they lost money because of CD Projekt Red's actions. All right. We're, we're going to end this discussion because it sounds like you're getting a little heated. I'm I am because I don't myself. understand your point. I understand what you're saying. I just think it's absolutely stupid. I, all I'm simply saying is I, I just don't think this lawsuit should have been filed now. I think it should have been waited, allow the company to recover their mistakes. People are allowed to make mistakes. That, Granted, that is true, but they, this is a big fuck up. And you know what? I, no one's I, saying I, send these people to the gallows, but they need to be financially reprimanded. And, and I'm and listen. I agree with you that CG Project Red, the managers or whoever is responsible for making decisions and releasing the game buggy as hell, they should probably be fired. It's unexcusable what they did. But as I said, people make mistakes. I think this lawsuit was just filed a little too soon. Allow the company to fix their mistakes, punish the people that are responsible. I get that. But if you've lost nothing. Because they were able to fix their mistakes and rebound. I, I just, that's where I, me and you were disagreeing. I, I get your point. I, I see that. So, so people shouldn't sue medical doctors for malpractice because their condition might heal like a doctor does something wrong. But they might heal in the future. No, no, so that, you shouldn't sue a doctor a, for malpractice? No, that's that's an entirely different situation. If a doctor You, you are I, basing up, your entire argument on the fact that something might return to normal. I'm basing my argument on the fact that investors generally, and I think you would agree with this, if you're going to invest into a company, I've, uh, unless you have a personal connection to the company, you are investing in that company for financial reasons. Yes. If and you've you, lost, you accept if, risk in the market, but that market volatility should not include terrible, like being misled by the company that you have invested in. And and we and I agree with you on that, but I, obviously here's what I'll say, Tricky. Let's let's just end this okay. because we're not going to see eye to okay. eye. But I think okay. that if you were an investor in CD Projekt Red, if you had money in CD Projekt Red, I think you would feel very differently. Right now, I'd be absolutely pissed. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that if this affected you and your family, and your the money that you had, I think it would you you would not be singing the same tune. No, no all right, let, let me respond to that. Then we'll then we'll officially end this. If I if I had money, just for the record, I don't. If I had money in CG Project Red right now, I'd be pissed. But in a week or two, if the stock rebounded and I've now lost no money, me personally, not speaking for anybody else, me personally, I'd be okay because I lost nothing. Because you you are giving CG Project Red a pass. Okay, we're, we're gonna end there. Uh, let's go into our reader questions. Or listen to questions. Time.
Sorry, I had to take a drink of water there. All right. You didn't need to say sorry. Uh, that wasn't a long pause. Well, it was, it was on my end. I don't know. Maybe it was an internet delay. All right. So we have two questions. Both are coming from Andrew. First one is, my brain is in the dense fog of a migraine at the moment, so I don't remember if this has actually been talked about. What are your thoughts on the, all of WB's movies going to streaming services on release? Uh, do you know about this, Alex? I'm sorry. Could you repeat the question? I Joe Priestley just posted the game stuff, a very inflammatory thing, and I was seeing the comments to see. When does he not post something inflammatory? Yeah, I, I, I was just seeing the comments to see if, if people were. Oh, he didn't just post it. Now it was posted yesterday. Is he posted about the Wonder Woman movie? Yeah. Yeah, that was posted last night. Okay. Uh, yeah, sorry. All you right. can read it again. Andrew says, My brain is in the dense fog of a migraine at the moment, so I don't remember if this has been talked about. What are your thoughts on all of WB's movies going to streaming services on release? Do you know about this? I do not, no. WB made an announcement a while back that all of their 2021 movies will be released on digital services alongside theaters uh, on HBO Max. Uh, and I'm trying to look up all of the movies. Well, I mean, I, I uh, think that, I mean, movie theaters obviously had a huge issue with a lot of movies going to straight to digital services at home. In some cases, you had to pay to view the movies, um, like Milan on Disney+. Plus. Even if you were a Disney Plus subscriber, you had to, to pay, what, 30 bucks to watch Milan? Yeah, but uh, hold hold on. Let me cut you over right there. The uh, the the movies that are going to the, uh, HBO Max, uh, Godzilla versus King Kong, The Suicide Squad, The Conjuring, In the Heights, uh, obviously Wonder Woman eighty four is already released. Dune, Matrix four, Those Who Wish Me Dead, The Little Things, uh, the new Boondock Saints movie, The Many Saints of Newark, the Mortal Kombat movie, Tom and Jerry, uh, Reminiscence, Malignant, Judas and the Black Messiah. And the new Space Jam. They're all getting released for free on HBO Max. Obviously, free under quotation marks. Cause Wait, all, all of those Max. specific movies are coming to HBO Max? They're not spreading them out between stars or whatever? It's HBO? Nope. They're all going to HBO Max. And as long as you have HBO Max, you watch it for free. <laughs> I I'm mean, I'm, I would be shocked if HBO Max doesn't pull a Netflix and, and up the, the price of their subscriptions. Because that's quite a lot of new movie that uh, they had to probably pay Warner Brothers for. But... Uh, now, just, just to be clear, these are also going to the movie theaters on the same day. Yeah, but I mean, who knows when, you know, the public can feel safe going to a movie theater again, like packing into a movie theater. So what are your overall thoughts of WB releasing all of their 2021 movies on HBO Max alongside with their, their theater releases? I mean, I like it. I mean, there there is certainly something to be said about having that theater experience going in with the sound system. And like, who, like, let's take Marvel Avengers Endgame for, for a moment. The first time you watch that movie should be in a movie theater with a sound system and a bunch of cheering people and people who you know love the Avengers just like you do. I assume if you're you're there watching the movie, so there are certain movie experiences you should have first in a movie theater. And I get like that just people just like to have that experience. Right now, especially with the past year, it's been difficult to have that because it's not always felt safe to go into a movie theater, pack in there with a whole bunch of other people. And for now, I, I mean. Them releasing the the movies onto the, the services, obviously, you know, they don't want to stop making movies. You know, people want to be entertained, so there is an audience for them. They want to continue these stories, especially in terms of, you know, Wonder Woman and all that, because they've already greenlit Wonder Woman 3. 
So, I mean, I, I think it's good. I mean, if you want to release it in theaters, and if the theaters are open, if people feel comfortable going there, then that's fine. But for a lot of people, like, being able to see these movies and have this entertainment into your home and having the choice to go, if you don't feel safe, to go to the theaters or, you know, go home, that's or, or at least stay home. I think that's a good thing. I like the option of being able to watch from home, especially if, you know, I just can't be like, well, I'm going to go watch this movie in a movie theater and possibly get sick. Um, so I like the option. I think long-term, I this i mean long term if it's viable maybe they decide to do this and, and movie theaters kind of you know for a little bit there at least go the way of drive-in theaters we do have a couple drive-in theaters around um in our area um so i mean movie or drive-in movie theaters should be making a resurgence but i mean i know a lot of people have complained about movie theaters and the cost of going to a movie and just getting gouged at the concession stands so you know with how much of our entertainment is streamed these days maybe this is a step toward the future where movies are just released concurrently. It's like, you know, video game digital services. Like, you don't literally have to go to a store to buy a game anymore. You just have to download it at your home if you want to. Being able to do that, I mean, I I think that's good to have at least the option to watch at home. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Because there are not always times, especially during the winter, when I want to get out and drive to a movie theater, a movie theater on a Friday or a Saturday, or you know, pay $20 for a movie ticket, and even more if you have a family going. All right, and his next question. Any games on the holiday sale catch your eye? I picked up Legends of Heroes Trials of Sto- Cold Store 4. Uh, Raji, I think, was on sale as part of it. Um, I was looking through the list, uh, at least Raji when I looked, and I didn't see it within the list of the games, but it was on sale on PSN the other day when I was looking at it. Uh, the Assassin's Creed game, Origins, always kind of on my mind. Like I always kind of want to pull the trigger on that. Uh, Yield showed me that On Rush was essentially $3, I think, for the standard edition. So there were some games in there, um, but I don't really know. It, I, like I said, I'm kind of, I kind of want to buy Sea of Solitude, um, and maybe check out. I was watching trailers of uh, Carry On last night, while we were watching a show called uh, oh, was it uh, The Expanse on HBO? I think, so, or no, is it Amazon Prime? I don't know. But um, yeah, so I mean, there are some really good deals on the store right now. I mean, you mentioned Valhalla, but um, nothing that I put directly into my cart. I think Sea uh, of Solitude, despite you know some of the reviews might be um my next play because i just the game just as far as its story and its underlying themes just is way too interesting i think for me to pass up i think we got csl2 free for plus well that would that'd be that would be lame i mean there is the definitive edition coming essentially to the switch it's coming exclusively the switch probably yeah but you can't get trophies that way huh yeah but you can't get trophies well, you know, sometimes I like to play games without trophies involved because then you don't have a situation like of Crash Bandicoot where it's like, well, I'd like to get all the trophies, but goddamn, I'd have to basically run through a brick wall and pull teeth out of a crocodile and then, you know, fist fight a polar bear to, to get the fucking platinum. See, this is it's moments like this, Alex. I wish I had my sound board up because the second you said push through a wall, my brain went to the sound bite. You ever watch God in 60 Seconds? No. Okay. You mean you mean one of Nicolas Cage's last watchable movies? Yeah. There's a scene in the movie where they're chasing Nicolas Cage because he's still in the last car. And this big wrecking ball comes down, hits a cop car at the driver's door, and pushes the car straight through a, 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 a concrete wall. And Tim, Timothy Olyphant walks up to him and goes, Are you okay? Are you sure? 
because you just went through a wall. And, you know, the way he delivers the line is fucking hysterical. That's a very specific situation. I don't know why me saying go through a brick wall brought that exact. I mean, maybe Gone in 60 <laughs> Seconds is your favorite movie. I'm not judging. It's just a very specific <laughs> movie and a very specific scene to pull that from. Immediately. It, it, this, the, it, it just, it's the way he delivers the line. It just, it's, it's fucking funny. All right. So, uh, we got one more ad. Well, you, and then well, you didn't go. answer the question. Oh, oh, sorry. Uh, PlayStation Sale. The only thing I saw on there, and you know, actually, let me bring it up because I actually put something in my, uh, my cart. I think the first thing that comes up when you when you go into that uh, the listing is, is a Valhalla. Call of Duty game. No, the first one is Valhalla for me. Oh, it is. It, I think it's called Call of Duty when I first uh, uh, popped it up. Asking me to sign in. What the hell? I don't want to sign in. Why is it asking me to sign in? I should be signed in already. You know, one thing I do wish they would do for these sales, because they do put a lot of stuff on sale, I wish they would break it up. Like, you could, instead of, like, breaking it up um, how they do, they do, like, oh, check out all movie deals, all game deals, all that kind of stuff, um, under $20. I wish they would just, like, allow you to look at sales by, like, letter of the alphabet, because going through that entire list of everything is just kind of daunting. Like, a lot of times I don't even make it through the entire thing. Uh, okay, so the two games that are in my box right now, which I haven't bought yet, because uh, I'm going to actually wait until January 1st, so I don't hit, uh, take a hit in the backlog beatdown, are Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, which is currently $30, and Immortals Phoenix Rising, which is currently $40. Yeah, like I said, I, um, I've heard the, thanks to Stadia, I've heard the commercial for or seen the trailer for uh, Immortals Phoenix Rises one too many times in my life to ever actually go buy that game now. Uh, well, they, I, I saw an ad for the game. They said uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising is if uh, uh, God of War, Zelda, and Assassin's Creed Odyssey had a baby. And those are three fantastic games. All right. So uh, let's close out the show with one more ad, and then we got some our shout-outs. Be sure to follow us on all of our social media feeds. Just look for Proving Gamer on Twitter and Facebook. Be sure to also join the Trophy Horse Facebook group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash TW podcast. In the group is where you can ask questions for us to answer on the show. You can also send us an email via the Troy Memorial email. That address is... Trophyhorse at ProvenGamer.com or if you would rather leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 330-PROVEN-9. That's 330-776-8369. You can watch our videos on YouTube by doing a search for official Proven Gamer. You can also catch us streaming at twitch.tv backslash Proven Gamer. And you can catch Tricky streaming for Extra Life every Sunday from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at twitch.tv backslash Extra Life for Kids. Remember, that's the number four, not the word. Quiet yield. He doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> I really got to. I I have a program which I'm going to do the uh, the the little ads. Uh, so it's not going to be us talking anymore. But I just haven't had time to do it. Alex, your shout out, sir. 
Give a shout out to the fans, the listeners, the fuel to the fire that is tough for yours. Thank you all for continuing to, to listen every week, to devoting some time every single week. I know, especially this time of the year, we're all very, very busy. But if you had a chance to stop and listen to at least one of the shows, we thank you very much for continuing to support our, our nonsense here on the Trophy Horse Podcast. Give a shout out to Yield, who is and Homer, because he's probably with Homer too. Hopefully he's with Homer, and Homer has been excommunicated from the family. Uh, shout out to Yield and Homer, not only for Rocket League, for for get set, help setting up Rocket League and, and bringing that to the forefront and getting everybody excited in the Rocket Pass again, um, but also, you know, spending time with their family and focusing what's on on him, what's important. Uh, a shout out to those, those gentlemen. Um, and, you know, Homer always has good things to say and comments and questions to, to ask for Trophy Horse, so I want to thank him for that. Give a shout out to Tricky for for working super hard even on on Christmas, which you know shouldn't have to do, uh, but unfortunately snow and rain and weather and all that they they never let up. So New York sanitation showing showing their importance there. Um, but thank you for joining me tonight, Tricky, as we we close out the year of uh, 2020. Which hopefully I think even though it's just a day later, I think a lot of people are hoping that uh, 2021 is a much better year. Uh, last but not least, I want to give a shout-out to my awesome, loving girlfriend, Ashley. Like I said, we had our, our third Christmas together. Uh, she got me some podcast-related stuff, including a new microphone. She got me... So you all have heard the echo in, in my audio. It's, uh-huh. I've tried to record everywhere in this house and not make it echo, and it doesn't work. But she built me this own little kind of portable podcast room where she put a bunch of foam and stuff inside a big old Tupperware thing, and I can put the microphone in there, and hopefully that will help cut down on... Uh, the echo in my audio hopefully improve my audio quality um and she also bought me a 50 foot ethernet cable so hopefully i can hardwire into the uh, modem for our internet from upstairs and don't have to move my playstation tv and all that stuff downstairs to record on uh rocket league thursdays anymore uh, so just great gifts all around. So hopefully that will lead to much better audio quality for me in the future. So I love you, honey. And in general, just everybody, um, thanks for, for f- f- toughing it out. 2020 has not been a great year, um, but we appreciate you uh, as listeners, and we wish you all a happy and healthy new year as we move into hopefully much better times. Uh, I'm, I'm actually surprised you left out a shout-out there, Alex. You can give a shout out to your sugar mama from the Facebook group. Oh, you mean that old lady that's that uh, I'm supposedly um, shacking up with in order to to buy me a PlayStation Five? Yeah, Which, I know you were really upset that I didn't comment immediately on that, but um, I will say that I don't really like a lot of times like grandmas and stuff can't find the video game that their ch- their grandchild is looking for for Christmas, so they just give them money or a gift card or something. So I don't know how you expect one to find me a PlayStation Five. I, I I just went off on a tear on the PlayStation Five memes on Christmas. I don't know if you saw. Oh, the last week has been you're just been going off like crazy. I still love the Korg one from Avengers Endgame. Oh uh, yeah, that was a good I one. I think I think my favorite one was the uh, Orange County Choppers one. Man, that that meme's been so overdone. No, but it's still funny. I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's still kind of overdone. It's like zombie movies. Zombie movies are so overdone, but every once in a while, like Train to Busan, you find one that you really like. Also, I want to point uh, out that Korg will fuck you up on the uh, the PlayStation, but also on the battlefield. Yeah. Uh, give a shout-out to the goddess who was mad because uh, she didn't get to meet Donnie Wahlberg like I did. Yeah, and you lied to her about it. I didn't lie to her! I told her! I actually tried to video call her. Get the goddess on here. And let's hear the story from her side. You you really want 
Goddess, come here, please. She said, F you, Alex. I'm not the one that lied to her about it, so she couldn't be Donnie Wahlberg. Uh, give a shout out to Sweet Mama D. Uh, shout out to the listeners. Thank you very much. If there's nothing else, until next year, happy trophy hunting. Later. Happy New Year. The theme song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash evenphilippines.